Welcome to the film experience. We haven't done a podcast in a while, and we are going to try to do them again. I'm inspired by one of our teammates, Ben Miller, who's been doing a great job on his podcast. You say so. Critic and the Common Man. I mean, I'll take whatever smoke you give me, but sure. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. And then we have Christopher James. Hello. And Baby Clyde. Hi, all the way from London. All the way from London. So is given the time difference, what tell us, do people throw Oscar parties there? Is it in the middle of the night? Like what's the what's the scoop? They they might do. I've been to a couple of like official things in my days, but I don't want to go to an Oscar party because people don't take it seriously. Oh, so you're like me where you're I'm like shh during all the speeches. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Proper Oscar nerds need to know who wins editing, don't we? You know, yes, we don't yes. want people talking through it. It's just not acceptable. We have the same thing here um, for Eurovision. Like in my decades of watching Eurovision, I've never once gone to a Eurovision party because people will talk through the songs and won't be scoring properly. So <laughs> no, not acceptable. I sit in my bed or on my settee and watch it usually by myself, like whilst tweeting. That's the perfect way to watch to watch the Oscars. I usually do throw a party, but but I haven't been, you know, my life blew up a few years ago. Long story. But anyway, but I used to throw huge parties, but I would always like the rules were set in stone. When when a, somebody gets up to give their speech, you shut up. <laughs> you can talk during every commercial. <laughs> you can talk while people are coming off from the stage, but otherwise you have to be paying attention. Agreed. So I was uh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was saying I, uh, you know, usually I like to make a night out of the Oscars, but I had kind of the unfortunate circumstances of having my in-laws in town who don't care about the Oscars. So (laughs) I know it was I know we we had it recorded. I had it ready. And it's like 715 and I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not doing anything. I'm just like, it's fine. They're they're old. They're gonna get out of here soon, and then we'll start it. And we did, and it made it, it, it. We were able to get through the through the commercials and everything. And I knew everything close enough to real time, and didn't get things spoiled. But still, it was anxiety inducing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did make a major major cock up this year because there's obviously a time difference, and I just misread it, and I missed the first hour. Oh no. Well. Luckily, not missed because it was all recording, of course. Mm-hmm. So I, I then caught up and we can um, get through the, the commercial breaks and the, the, the montages and things. So I caught up in about maybe two hours. Um, I was I was back on track. But um, yeah, then it's so unlike me not to know exactly the minute it starts. But I just I looked up and something was happening on Twitter and I was like, no, shut it down, shut it down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I missed the first hour in real time, which is inexcusable. Yeah, I, I need one who loves the Grand Oscar party. I've been doing it for a while. Um, I, I was telling everyone uh, off mic, so they're going to have to rehear the story. But uh, this was the first year I did it, uh, not inside my own home. I was moving into both the new place and the old place for catastrophic. Uh, so a rental at our local wine bar. And it was lovely. We had a costume party packed. People were, uh, 
you know, light chatter, but mostly, uh, you know, having a great time. It was so fun to see everyone's boos and yells as people won. Uh, but, you know, then halfway through, the internet went out on the full block. <laughs> and uh, that was right before Rihanna started performing. The audio was still working. So it was like we were podcasting the Oscars for 15 <laughs> minutes. And then they gave up and uh, we had a few hotspots going with uh, some laptops. So ingenuity wins out in the end. But, uh, <laughs> wow. I twice, I've twice been to, I've just been to like proper Oscar parties. There's a sort of quite sort of famous cinema a bit down the road from me and they would have these big um evenings with a big screen and people would get dressed up and like make a real, real event of it they also used to do an oscar quiz um that you don't want me at your oscar quiz because he the, the guy the quiz master kept getting things wrong um he kept doing <laughs> mi- mixing up year of um Year of Ceremony and Year of Film, which, of course, oh, as we all know, is an absolute know. Oscar no-no. And so I kept having to put my hand up. I said, I'm sorry, excuse me. That was like, that was 2004. Yeah, so, sorry. And, yeah, in the end, I almost kind of had to take over from the quiz master because he kept... You don't want me at your Oscar quiz. You really don't. It's not, it's not funny. <laughs> you should well, have... It's not entertaining. It would have to be another Oscar nerd. It would have to be another Oscar nerd doing the trivia. Yeah, he, he, it wasn't his fault. He was just, he was getting, he was reading the information from the wrong sources, you know? Yes. So I will, I will tell you guys that um, I feel such a sense of lightness and relief that the Oscar season <laughs> is over. And yet at the same time, this was one of the most enjoyable Oscar nights I've had in a long time. So I'm not like complaining about it. I'm, I was just tired because the season went on too long and they had been trying uh, to move it closer to the early in the year, you know, and so the parasite year, it was actually the first week of February, which is, or like the oh. 9th or something like that. So it was really close to the beginning of February and they just gave up after COVID. Um, so did you guys also just feel like a sense of joy, not just in, but that it was over? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I it definitely the the long season uh really gets to you by the end, especially I mean this is, you know, a testament to the staying power of everything everywhere all at once that yeah. came out nearly a year ago, but it especially in a season like this that went on for so long, you really were talking about the same movie for a full year. And so it's definitely that there were no new takes left to drag up by the end of it. Yeah. The funny I, thing the, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was the fun thing about it is like if you look at like supporting actress, right? Whenever the you know the nominations were announced, you're like, okay, this is okay. Let's who do you think is the winner? And everybody kind of you know kind of settles on Angela Bassett, and then she starts winning some other precursors, and everybody still kind of agrees with it. And then all of a sudden, BAFTA happens, and the Golden Globes happen, and SAG happens, and then you're kind of throwing your like. Who was the lead of best support? Who was the leader of best supporting actress? And just like that was only two months of the span. Like it felt like six. Like yeah. I, uh, from the we knew who was going to win to it could be anywhere. It's like is Jamie Lee Curtis somehow going to win this? And it, it's such a wild fluctuation of of yeah we have this as a good picture and then oh the Baptists don't mean anything except when they do mean something and. You know, <laughs> Like, like Austin Butler winning in Elvis is like, I think it's the the first time in, I think it's previously to this year, it was like 10 out of the last 11 best to best actor winners got Oscar win, got won the Oscar. And then 
Frazier wins over Butler, and then BAFTA's Best Picture is still is on like a historically long, terrible streak, and just so who knows what anything means anymore. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, I, go on, baby. Sorry, I was just I'm just going to say that yes, I agree. I'm always by the end of Oscar season, I'm exhausted. It goes on way too long, but you know that's on us. We start doing it first week of September, don't we? Um, yeah. But remember, this is nothing like as bad as what year is it? 2000? Was it 2000, 2001? That dragged on to the end of April, didn't it? And I just wanted to slip my wrist by the end of that one. So we have something to be thankful for. Well, I was going to say the the uh, the inter Internet. This is like for all of you youngsters out there. There was a time when people talked about the Oscars and there was not constant Internet chatter. And they were held in April all the time, but it wasn't so, it, like, when I was a kid, it wasn't, you weren't inundated, inundated yeah. with it 24-7, so when April came around, it was still, like, an event. Um, but it's but the internet really sped up the world, so, like, you get all the reactions much faster, and so you play through all the takes much faster, and so it's like, let's speed this up, you know? And but it it's interesting to see what happens with time because like on the one hand everything everywhere all at once strikes me as a movie that needed the time in order to become something that could win um, but on the other hand it did survive that long so maybe it was always going to be a power player but I tend to think of the movies that are more off the beaten path and that's good becoming harder and harder to like describe with Oscar movies. Um, thankfully, like they're getting wider in their, in their taste range, but like something like Moulin Rouge, for example, which is like right around the time that I, that the film experience started, you know, gaining popularity like that. Oh, I still believe that the only reason that did so well at the Oscars is it had a long rev up because it opened in the summer. Like, if it had opened in December, people were like, what is this weird thing? Because, like, if you're too, if you're too out there, you need time. So, in some ways, I think it's super interesting that it came out the earliest of the movies. And in other ways, I think that's the only way it could have happened. The one thing that, that, struck that seems to be changing, doesn't it? It seems to be changing in recent years because we've had quite a few winners now. Um, or just contenders now that have come out from very, very early on. Poda last year, you know, started at, at Sundance. Um, I feel like maybe it's to do with the internet, maybe it's to do with, um, you know, the way things um, are campaigned th these days, but it feels like less of an impediment than it ever has before. Because it used to be, you know, if you came out any time after before October, you were probably almost dead in the water by the time the Oscar um, actual voting came around. But yeah. it seems to have changed somehow. We only had two December Best Picture nominees, right? It was Women Talking and Avatar. Yeah, it was. It was. It was very slim this year. It was mostly October, November. Hmm. Speaking of the internet chatter, that actually, uh, you know, maybe what you said created a thought in my mind. Is it because all of these like Oscar movies, like I'm thinking like specifically of The Fablemans, which was like quote unquote the early front runner. But these movies that are sort of positioned in November, December for Oscars have these sky high reputations that they have to live up to. And you sort of have like the flame up and flame down of them, whereas something with like a longer range that isn't necessarily like 
in quote unquote in the wheelhouse, like in everything everywhere all at once. Or like I think like Top Gun, you could say this about Get Out, um, anything that doesn't doesn't fit in that mold. It's not having those sky high comparisons. And so people are seeing them early and they're like, well, why can't this thing that I like right now be our Oscar best picture mm-hmm. front runner? And then if if you're good enough, you sort of just stay the course and you're there by the end. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that's healthy. Um, and I wish kind of that that could happen for dramas, too. Like, I wish something that was in the wheelhouse would only survive if it was really good and it could come out early. But it seems like with things that are in the wheelhouse, they still have to come out at the end of the year when people still care. But the Fablemans very much seem to be aware of that because it, it launched at TIFF, got raves, won the um, audience award, didn't it? And then went silent. It went silent for, for months. Um, yeah. And that felt very, very... Um, sort of on purpose they, they they knew what they were doing there but it still didn't work when, when it was actually launched properly it was launched with a just become a bit of a damp squib didn't it it never really kept its momentum up from the beginning i don't know what they did wrong if indeed they did, did anything wrong maybe the, the the film was the problem but they certainly felt aware of the idea of not wanting to be that front runner yeah it's really, and- it's, re- it's really fascinating if you kind of look at the box office of the best picture winner because the best picture nominees because you're like Okay, well, you can take all quiet out of the equation, obviously, because it's Netflix and Avatar and and Top Gun made all this money. And Elvis, Elvis was that that middle the middle level of like hit, but not that super hit. Everything else is either like probably within what five million of each other, like mm. Triangle of Sadness, Tar, Banshee's Been a Sheer, and there's all this kind of that's the number. They're all kind of the same number. Not what none of this like. Oh, this one made forty million dollars, and this one made tw- yeah. uh, twenty-two. They're all kind of like thirty, and nobody kind of talked about. Oh, you know, they literally made almost the same money as Babylon. I guess they just kind of obviously the Babylon expectations, and you know, the fact that it's such a spectacle and expensive, uh, they kind of knock it down from that standard. But I mean, they're all about the same level of success. There isn't a winner's bone in this where it's like, oh, this only made $3 million. It's like the the bottom row of it is what, 22, something like that. It's probably William t- women talking. Are you talking about global grosses? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, even, <laughs> even, even domestic, I, I barely count domestic grosses on women talking because I still not sure it's been wide released. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> they, they like, United Artists in general just is terrible at doing these kind of campaigns. It's like, it's like yeah. there's, there's ways to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that they botched till just as badly. Yeah. And like, there's so many, they, they have a bad way of doing things, but it's like, yeah, it, oh, so it only made 7.9. So that's actually yeah. the one of everything else. But that was the surprise. They were like, Hey, thank goodness it actually made it. The, the box office that was most interesting to me this year in terms of, the best picture nominees was actually Triangle of Sadness mm. because it had no, like people say Woody Harrelson, but I don't think he's like a bankable star and he's in a supporting role. And otherwise it was actors like people aren't that aware of, you know, cause it was, they were from all over the world. And even within those countries, they weren't, you know, some of them were new or they weren't that famous and it did really well worldwide, 24, 25 million. Um, but it just didn't I, I, I love that it got nominated because I, I'm a personal huge fan of it. It's in my top ten list. But um it's interesting to me that that was a steady success in the way that something like 
everything everywhere all at once obviously exploded much more, but these steady successes, interesting story there this year, films that kept, kept finding new fans. The funny thing about Triangle of Sadness is it got its nominations and everybody went immediately went, well, that's not winning anywhere, so let's not worry about it. Like it's it was such an afterthought as soon as it was nominated. They're like, oh, cool, nominated, not touching a win on any category. And it wasn't yeah. even in consideration. I think that if Dolly DeLeon had been nominated as well, people mm-hmm. would have thought differently about the movie I, because the acting categories get so much of the attention. Um, and I it. It's one of those cases, usually you're like, what was in sixth place? And you can debate it all day long. I think there's absolutely no debate. <laughs> she was super, super close to making it, um, given how well the movie did and how well she did in Precursors. I actually had it all across my nominations until the day before. Um, so I, was, I, I didn't, wasn't particularly a fan of it myself, but I felt like it was going to be that that director's branch one, you know, that they, they, they go for. And I just chickened out the day before. Because it felt like it had flatlined. It felt like it just disappeared, yeah. didn't it? It wasn't by the time the, the nominations came around, it had just gone. Um, yeah, so I should have stuck it out from September till the day before the Oscars. I had Ostland in my um, in my director's. That's, and took always, that's always the case. Like when you change your predictions the last minute, you it, they always suffer, I find. Always. <laughs> because I did that on a couple of categories that I should have thought better of changing at the last minute. You bring up an interesting point there, Nathaniel, about the box office of that. I think, you know, it's not even that stars really sell movies anymore. I think it's more concept driven in the way that this is, you see horror actually doing this really well. But I think Triangle of Sadness had this sort of, oh, you have to see it. I kind of can't explain it to you. Like it's not even a twist, but just like, oh, it's going to be funny and a little bit shocking and a little see to be believed. I mean, that's, I think, why everything everywhere all at once sunk itself into the consciousness, you know, uh, around this time last year. It's, I mean, Michelle Yeoh is a big star, but, you know, not like Tom Cruise's big star on a marquee. And I think it was really sold, like, there's this incredible movie about multiverses that, like, I'm just not going to explain it. Go see it. You'll like it. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of like if you look at the menu, like the relative box office success of the menu is you kind of like, hey, you know, Triangle of Sadness, it's pretty much the same thing, just a little stupider and more broad. And that's essentially what the menu was going for. And it made forty five million dollars. It's like pretty respectable for a movie like that, like not a kind of movie you expect to make any sort of money. And you kind of piggyback off of that and just like like I, I always I always wonder those type of movies like. How close is the menu on in, in a couple of these categories? Like, was it close to a was a screenplay nomination, or you know, the, like some people are trying their best to talk themselves into Hong Chow was also sixth for best supporting actress, which is ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> but still, I know Nathaniel wished that were the case. But I mean, yeah, I do. But it was abs- she was absolutely not in the running for no, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, she was better in the menu than the whale, but that's another story. We can um, just asterisk in our minds yeah. her nomination this year. Happy that's to happened. see her there. Yeah, yeah get, well, the, the, the Alicia Vikander of it all. Like just, right. Uh, just, yes. Thank you. <laughs> so I think we uh, like we should talk about the ceremony. We've been talking about the season in general, but we should talk about the ceremony. So let's start with an easy one. What was your favorite musical performance? Baby, we'll start with Baby Clyde of the five. Well, that's a. Come on, silly question. Um, 
Natu Natu, and I can't believe anyone will say anything other than Natu Natu because the other three songs were so dreary that um, <laughs> if anything, they dragged the evening down. I love it. I love a, I love that. I love a musical performance. I'm fully on board. People say that category should go, and there's a very good argument that that category should be done away with. But as far as I'm concerned, you keep it for the ceremony purposes, so you have some more entertainment for the evening. Um, and Natu Natu was that entertainment for the evening because the other four were woeful. <laughs> I mean, I, I was watching it. I was when we were watching it, and this is a life comes on, and, and my wife goes like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, it's David Byrne." You know, he's a little bizarre. And then we're watching it, and I'm like, "Is this song bizarre? Or is he doing a bad job? Or is this bad song?" And <laughs> and, and, and all and, of the above. And it was and it was done. And I was like, "Okay, I guess that's that." And and despite it all, it can't be worse than the "Tell It Like a Woman" song. Um, but you're 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 at to it was it was like it was not only not only did it grasp the complete joyous jubilation of that song uh the dance numbers obviously being the highlight of it all it's just like that it, they go hand in hand and after a while i'm like man I'm, there's not even much song i don't care about the song i'm care about the dance yes. like it's it's but uh just a perfect encapsulation of why you perform the songs at this ceremony because you're like, Oh, that's why that one, that's fun. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have to agree. Like not to not to was the musical moment of uh, like, if we're talking about best musical moment, yes. Uh, what got the greatest reaction from me and just surprised me the most was uh, Lady Gaga coming out, like having wiped off all of her makeup, yeah. <laughs> doing a stripped down version of Hold My Hand after a spoken word intro. I, I, I feel like I haven't formulated my actual thoughts on it, but I love just the pomp and circumstance of not confirming until the day of like, you know what, make this your show. <laughs> uh, also, I will say the biggest scream of a musical moment from my Oscar party was a gaggle of about 30 gay men screaming when Diane Warren took the piano for Tell It Like a Woman. So at least something came out of that moment. See, the problem um, is, Chris, is we've seen that movie and we, we, we I, I refute, like, I will have a grudge against Diane Warren for the rest of my life because of that stupid ass movie. Like, it is so dreadful that I had to watch it just because of that song. The joy so quotes of being an Oscar completist, right? <laughs> but imagine, like, l let's go back to Oscar producers. How much better would it have been if they did the pop remix version of Applause from Tell It Like a Woman that they play after the original version of Applause by Tell It Like a Woman in the end credits? Because they play well, the song twice in two different How about movies. they go to a, how about they do, like, the, this is what I don't understand. All those, like, specialty not all of the specialty categories but half of them have these bake-offs right where they have to sit in a room and watch like clips to vote i know at one point the music branch was kind of like that but they need to go back to that because if you watch clips of movies you have to sit there in the song and watch a clip you're going to be bored off your ass during end credits unless they are amazing songs and that then it's fine whatever but like why on earth couldn't we have like nominees like that song from Turning Red? I forget the name, but it was so fun. And the oh my god, that's a perfect encapsulation. New Body Rumba, New Body yeah, Rumba, New Body Rumba from White Noise. Oh, so good, yes. Like there are so much better options than even a movie that I love, like Everything Everywhere All at Once. That is a dirge. That song. Yeah. <laughs>
I will at least uh, say for um, hold my hand and um, lift me up. Like even though they're end credit songs, I do think that they put a nice bow on their movies and are accompanied by like yeah. you know plots elements of it. So it does feel like uh, leaving the fashion rather than just like this is a yeah. also you're not allowed to leave the theater before lift me up is done because you know something else is coming so <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> depends on how interested you are in this new phase of marvel that's right that's right <laughs> we haven't talked about rihanna who um was was pretty good you know she hasn't done anything well she did, did super bowl obviously recently but um we haven't seen a lot of her for the last six years um she sang really well i've never heard her singing that that well before um it's just there's not not much to the song to sing, is there? So I was, yeah, it was a decent performance. I don't know what you can do with that song because there's not much to it. I kind of look at it the same way. I'm, I look at it and it's like, yay! I'm glad Ryan Coogler has an Oscar nomination. And I'm like, how are there four people writing that? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like there's like seven words in the whole song, and I don't know what. Like, I've obviously there's musical aspects to it as well, but you know, it's it's a very basic song that I enjoy, but it is by no means like the complex interesting kind of songs that Oscar goes for. I'm shocked it was even nominated because like, I thought after a while it was like, yeah, you know, people, especially the musical snobby public kind of really soured on that song and it still made it with ease. Yeah. They were not turning down the opportunity to have Riri at the, the awards. That wasn't happening. Yeah. But, no. but you know, they, you, I, I will never understand that branch. You know, remember in the year of burlesque, they just like, no, no to share, no to share performing yeah. on the broadcast when that song was actually in the movie. And, and like, it won the Golden song. Globe. And it was a Diane Warren song. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. I had I'd made this I I'd made this argument with Moana came out. I was like, I was waiting for them to nominate your welcome just because they had to get an excuse to have the rock go up there and sing. And yeah. they didn't do it. And I was like, well, that's then it kind of go, goes against their own self-interest. But whatever. That, I but just I think, had they done that, had they um, um, let Diane Warren win then this last 10 years or more, we, we could have done with the torch that she's put us through. And I wouldn't have to see breakthrough. And the completest, <laughs> the completest would have been saved from having to watch Tell It Like a Woman. Or any of the last seven things she's been nominated for. Well, then I would have just had to watch where the crawdad's seeing instead. Like it's there's there's, there's already there's always going to be some terrible film I have to watch because of a song. I don't movie. know if they would just make them watch clips. You know, <laughs> like Listen. it should it can't if you if it it doesn't have to be part of the movie you should cancel the category. Yep, hundred percent. You know, somehow you do, uh, Diane Warren. Somehow you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay so moving on from the uh the songs it was just an easy starting point what what was your favorite acceptance speech we'll start with chris oh it was early on but i was just so touching in tears at kihi kwan's speech it uh i think set the tone for uh so much of the rest of the awards which i think on a whole you could just tell the excitement in the room and, you know, people really wanted to honor this year back to the movies. And I, I think, you know, seeing someone so uh, overwhelmed and appreciative uh, and so lovable, like really helped, you know, extend that energy through the rest of the show. I'm Ben. Um, you know, after watching the Golden Globes, I got really worried about this one, but uh 
M.M. Kriyavani for RRR whenever he incorporates the Carpenters into his uh, his acceptance <laughs> speech. I was like, that's what a sweet way to you know build build the bridges of this. Like, hey, I'm an Indian guy who watches listens to the Carpenters. I'm just like you, I'm white white Americans. Like, uh, um, and uh, just a just a like. That was probably the easiest slam dunk of the night, but still, I was like, you know, you're going to put a fun spin on it, throwing a Carpenter song in there. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, that's that's kind of the one I'm like, and, and I, I know I know you hate the movie, but I did like the Irish goodbye uh, uh, acceptance speech where they all sang happy birthday. Oh, that um, was amazing. Amazing. Yeah, it was that, really sweet to have that happen. But uh, yeah, but yeah, RRR again wins. Um, okay, you've just stolen both of mine because they were my two. <laughs> <laughs> they were my two favourites. What I did most, I mean, I loved this ceremony and I, I wasn't, I went in with no expectations at all of it being any good whatsoever. Um, having said that, after last year's debacle, it couldn't couldn't be any worse. Um, I just loved this ceremony. And one thing I loved about it most is, and they seldom do this, the, the Academy voters took the opportunity to create moments. So there were so many winners where the person winning or the story behind it or just allowed that to be an Oscar moment that we won't forget. So, for example, Navalny winning and his wife yeah. being there, you know, all of the records. So um, Kihu Kwan and Michelle Yeoh and even Jamie Lee Curtis, they're, they're Oscar moments, things we're going to remember for a long, long time. Um, the song during RRR, the... Um, um, oh, there was like at least four or five others, which I've, I've gone blank now. But that, there were so many moments in that ceremony because of the, who the winners were when they could have gone for a bland choice. Um, Kate Blanchett would have been an absolutely perfectly good winner, you know, but Michio was the moment, wasn't she? And they did it over and over again, which is why I had such a thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed myself in a way I was not expecting going in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my fa- my favorite speech was the RRR guy, um, just because I love it when people like choose to like actually have something prepared, you know, um, that doesn't feel canned. It feels like still like like an emotional thing that they prepared because they like they, they wanted to express this thing in this way. I just love that um, more than people just gushing, you know. I think you said that about the 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 female winners versus the the, act, the yes. lady acting winners compared to the male acting winners. The males just kind of went up there and went <laughs> just kind of regurgitated whatever. <laughs> and even though the women were very emotional about it, they seemed to have a plan of what they were saying. Yeah, and so I just I love that. I mean, I I'm gonna get excited about people having emotions just like anyone else, but I like I like to, them to have thought about what their speech is gonna be. You know. Or, I'm always um, baffled by people who are like frontrunners all season, and especially if there's a few of them, you know, and they haven't got a plan. So when four people get up on stage and one of them speaks and the other three don't get a chance because they haven't decided what order it's going to be in and only yeah. one gets to thank their mum or something. And I'm just like, come on, this wasn't a surprise. You're, you're not shocked mm-hmm. you're at the Oscar ceremony. You've known in advance. Come up with some kind of plan so that um, yeah. you don't make a fool of yourself, you know, live on television. Or, or um, both of you should lean into the mic together. Like some of the craft winners, I was like, "What are you doing?" Because they are going to drown them out with the yes. music. Yeah. You know who got There's prepared? Been a few years. Sarah Pauly was prepared. She, yeah, that, that's oh, what yeah, I was going to mention. She but even she was mentioning that she wasn't prepared, and I was like, I I couldn't tell. But that was <laughs> another one of like my moments of the. Uh, 
the night and not just because because she walked over I got to see what Jesse Buckley was wearing which was another moment of the night but <laughs> uh but no like it, it was just so such a wonderful winner that tied in so nicely and you got to feel the emotion while also you know hearing a really wonderful speech and I want to I want to give a shout out to the Daniels who kept having to go up there and kept yeah. having interesting things to say as and they kept not repeating themselves not repeating themselves it was really really welcome to do that and you could really tell like like shine art was like this real quick thing fun bye and like getting getting out of Quan's way and Quan, like let's Quan give the room to breathe and it's it was and every everything they said was gold so yeah yeah. What I found quite strange is that I, you know, I've, I've said quite a lot on on the site that I wasn't actually a fan of much of anything this year. You know, I, I wasn't um, none of the best pictures that I'm particularly interested in. Um, I wasn't a hugely. This, I think I, I enjoyed this ceremony a lot because I, I wasn't particularly invested in in much this year. Um, and yet, so many things won for films I didn't even like, but I was so pleased they won. Sarah Polly, you know, I was. Really, really, she was brilliant. She did such a brilliant speech. It's such a good win. That's such a moment for the Oscars. Um, even though I act- actively disliked with this whole thing, but I-, I was really pleased she won. And that same goes for everything, everywhere, all at once. I did the um, I did the volley on the very fact that I wasn't a particularly a, a fan of that film, but all night I was rooting for it. I wanted it win just for the sheer craziness of that being an Oscar-winning film. So I did find over and over again things that I was rooting for won. And yet I was really pleased that they really pleased they did. Well, there were no villains like there wasn't yeah. a there, there wasn't a green book. There wasn't a, um, you know, the the big bad that nobody really wants. Like everybody's like everybody gets grumpy about everybody's just kind of like, well, this might win. This could win this. And everybody's just kind of on board with it. There's no real like I don't know how we missed uh, the Weinstein has finally gotten <laughs> off of the Oscars, I guess. I don't know. Well, the internet well, would beg to differ about this, but, <laughs> but let's leave Twitter out of this because like, I cannot hear one more disparagement of Jamie Lee Curtis, who I think is amazing in that movie, but that's uh, the, you know, it's obviously a minority opinion, but whatever. I think she's amazing in it. Um, Are we getting no, into the, the Jamie Lee Curtis a bit older? Are we saving that? for? No, I mean, I just, like, I think it's a brilliant physical comedy performance, and physical comedy is so rarely recognized, and I just didn't understand why people were so negative all year about it, and also the fact that people who loved the movie were negative about it, but that movie would not have done so well in award season if Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, I... Also, I maybe... people love Jamie Lee Curtis. People, if you'd asked six months ago, you know, tell me... A, an actor who's never been nominated should be, she'd get loads so many yeah. people bringing up her name, you know, and that she got nominated and everyone sort of turned on her. It was really weird. Well, it's I, kind I, of I, like I, when anybody wants it too much, they do this. Uh, as long as they're female, they do this. Yeah, like Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway, like, yeah. Um, she's the most famous recent example, but Kate Winslet before Kate her, Winslet, yeah. like, people turn on them. Not the men. Like, Brendan Fraser obviously wanted it, and Austin Butler obviously wanted it, and people didn't turn on them. But I will say, like, something I really loved about her speech, I particularly wasn't rooting for Jamie Lee Curtis, even though I love the movie, and it's not because I think she does a bad job, but because I think in that category, I would put her as the weakest performance in just my own opinion. Mm -hmm. But it's, 
Jamie Lee Curtis has this storied career that I think it's fit to honor. And I love that when she got that chance up there on the stage, she thanked all of the people that worked on all of the genre films that got her there and really acknowledged like why she is just a force in the industry of movie making. And I think that that's, that's sort of why, like to what you're saying, baby Clyde, like even if you're not rooting for the things that actively won, like it just seemed like there were real tangible, like, nice positive moments that just really felt satisfying. No, and I would have felt that way, like even though Jamie Lee Curtis was actually my favorite in that category, um, not my favorite of supporting actress this year, but my favorite wasn't nominated. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but I would have felt the same way if Angela Bassett had won. That would have been like an mm-hmm. Oscar moment. So I just, I wish people online, and it's just me bitching a little bit, would just think about like, if it was somebody else, <laughs> I, I would have been, like, unless I really hate the person or the performance, just be happy for them. Yeah, and, and I mean, even even the people turning on Angela Bassett for losing, having the audacity to be upset that you lost. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, she hasn't been nominated in 30 years for no damn reason. And then she finally gets an Oscar nomination. She's pretty much the front runner, doesn't do anything wrong, and doesn't win. She has the right to be a little upset. Like, it's... Yeah, it's, and it's I not like, love it when they show emotions in yes. those. They make better yeah. television. Don't you want them to care? <laughs> Don't you? You? It's. Do you remember? Like everybody always remembers Michael Keaton putting his speech back in his pocket, stuff like like the stuff yeah. like that, or uh, Ridley Scott's son like running over and hugging him massively after losing to Steven Soderbergh in two thousand one or two thousand. Like yeah. I, like I remember stuff like that. Not because of it's like oh sour grapes or whatever. It's like no no these guys they do care about it and it's something that is it it just makes them more human. But the fact that Angela Bassett looks like Angela Bassett I guess is like detaches her from humanity. It's like well she's she's this goddess of a woman she must rise above it I guess. And it's like no no she's still a human. Yeah I totally agree and I I like it when they I I will never forget and this is very early in my years of being an Oscar obsessive and watching the Oscars, but I will never forget Laura Dern on the red carpet for Rambling Rose. And she was talking about how young actors, like they try to be all like above it and like, oh, awards, whatever. She's like, no, are you kidding me? Like, I am so excited <laughs> I'm nominated. And I just like that energy to me is so, and it's, it's like a through line, right? She has all these like predecessors who did that. And the, this year that's Jamie Lee Curtis and Kiwi Khan and, Brendan Fraser and like people who are genuine, genuinely enthused about the reception. It's very contagious and you like want yeah. to root for them. You know, who else that's what was so nice that? about. No, okay. sorry, go ahead. Uh, I felt like Paul Mescal is a great example of that this year too. I feel like he was campaigning, doing a lot of events, mm-hmm. wasn't really in the contention to win, but I think saw this as like, a visibility play and something exciting that could launch this like new phase of his career. And they're just, even the people who weren't in like the, the hunt for the win, I felt like right. still felt really energized to be nominated. And that's maybe what you get from like a crop of mostly newcomers. I, I've always, always said that in interviews, like w- with like people who are like long shots, like in my years of writing about movies and interviewing these people, I've always said like, should they're like, you know, a couple of people off the record, like, should I even bother? And I'm like, yes, you should bother. Because, like, even if you're far from getting a nomination, 
it's like an investment in your career and like people don't like to talk about this but like if you're always in the conversation and like a long shot eventually like it pays off do you know who's going to get an oscar nomination at the very next opportunity taron edgerton because he worked his ass off for rocket man yeah just missed and latin next time he'll go out and he's like hey remember me from five years ago and it's like yep and and they'll be much more receptive to it and if dolly delon de leon magically gets a good role in the next couple years that'll Mm -hmm. happen for her i mean hong chow if she hadn't campaigned for downsizing would the whale have happened no i don't think and then having that in menu like i feel like hong chow is now like poised really well to even like have this like new phase for her, or maybe hopefully she's the lead in something. Like I, I just feel like these people who are like participating and investing yeah. in this machine are hopefully going to see it pay off because I mean, not everybody like, does Glenn Close, caught, but like, <laughs> but and you know, Angela Bassett, I would say it doesn't doesn't always pay off, which is horrible. But like, tons of my favorites through my life, it has not paid off. But in general, it pays off. As long as you get the opportunities. So as long as you get the roles, it pays off. And the Oscar isn't the end goal. It could just be like your career, getting more interesting roles, getting um, like a raised profile. Uh, I I think that, you know, there are a lot of hopefully stars of tomorrow or people on the cusp of like a next big thing coming off of this. I think Stephanie Hsu, for example, is Mm -hmm. the nominate, like people online are really mad that she didn't win. But at the same time, I'm like, this is not about like, you know, people are like, oh, you're just saying, wait your turn. I'm like, I'm not saying that at all. I just know because I'm old. (laughs) I know (laughs) that when people win, when they're brand new, it generally doesn't help their careers. So like if you have a breakout part and you get all this attention and an Oscar nomination, which was not a certain thing, that's huge for your career and that sets you up for the, for the next big thing. And so like, yeah, I was making making the same argument about Austin Butler. I was actually hoping he would lose. I was hoping he would lose for the sake of his career. Exactly. I I think, I think if he wins, everybody kind of goes, okay, too much of this guy too soon to everywhere, the voice that, you know, the, the method, all that kind of stuff. And then he's going to be in the next Dune and all it like, it'll just be, overwhelming and too much now everybody can be like oh you know he lost you know just kind of take a step back and okay cool and 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 he handled it really well well yeah and people people will be also that that thing i 100 percent was thinking this when he was like obviously like nervous about the envelope being Mm -hmm. open i was like it's gonna be better for him if he doesn't win yes absolutely (laughs) And, and, and yeah go ahead well, just just think, Austin Butler was fantastic in Elvis. He's he's borderline my winner. He, he was just great. But yeah. once he became a front runner, the internet started turning on him. You know, suddenly we're talking saying it'll be like Rami Malek winning, or you know, we're, we're, we're the worst thing ever. Although I feel like we still got that with the, with the eventual winner. Um, but people started turning <laughs> him for nothing more than being a handsome young man who might have won an Oscar, you know. It's much better for him in the long run that he didn't win. Other opportunities will come along, but he won't be, he won't have to carry around that baggage of having won an Oscar for what would have, would have become a divisive um, performance, even though he was actually great. I, th- I think that for the sake of the, for the sake of every, every person in the actor race, Brendan Fraser's the best case scenario for everybody. Because yeah. 
Brendan Fraser, <laughs> it obviously, it, it kind of gives, I don't necessarily think this will be like, oh, Brendan Fraser's back on the A-list. It's like, no, no, he'll just be working like he should have been working. Yeah. And and at the same time, it gets like a retrospective on how good of an actor he's been for the last 30 years. And uh, I was, I, I, had a, I had the slightest bit of like, can Colin Farrell win this Oscar? And Boy, when that clip played, I was like, "Ooh, I'm 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 ready for this to happen," and it didn't happen, obviously. Uh, but I mean, it, it, it essentially Austin Butler is Colin Farrell from 20 years ago. Like, yes. if Colin Farrell got an Oscar nomination, you're like, "Well, we don't need this." Like, and him losing is probably the best for everybody. Yeah. Although your your best case scenario, I hundred percent agree with like the concept of what you're saying, except for in Colin Farrell's case, because. Colin Farrell is like a genius, and I, I like don't. He's such a great actor, but he makes it look way too easy. So like actors who do that, like they don't win, and it's really frustrating. So, well, he but does, he's going through he, too. He's going through. He's done exactly. that thing with his career where he was a huge like heartthrob young guy. You know, Oscar does not like you know um, hot young men anyway. He yeah. then was a tabloid staple. You know, he was always he was known for like carousing and drinking and the women he was going out with more than for his acting. And then he kind of was in the wilderness for a few years and has come back in the last six, seven years just full of he's a character actor now, you know. Yeah. He, he's got leading man looks but he's a character actor. He's doing weird, interesting projects. And now that he's on the radar it's been accepted that he's now no longer one of those leading men they're not he's, he's not going to be accepting those roles is he he's going to be looking for weird interesting roles and that's what he's going to get in awards going forward and again l- losing here will probably ensure that he wins i mean down the road i hope you guys are right but i just i love colin farrell <laughs> so i was just like really rooting for him what helps though is this is also isn't his first amazing yet weird role in a drama right. like he has built this this is like not the culmination because i hope there's so much more to come but he has minted himself that like no i really am this good and i am consistently this good and then this is like the first reward and he's going to consistently yeah pr- prove that and that's why hopefully he'll get another uh, oscar nomination and win but also if he doesn't we have uh Decades of just wonderful Colin Farrell performances in front of well, us. I mean, you talked about Hong Chow and her with the whale in the menu. It's like, well, he had After Yang, The Batman, and 13 Lives, which nobody saw, but but two out of three. But yeah. whatever. But, I mean, everybody remembers him in The Batman, and there are those wax that are like, After Yang's the best performance of a male in the last 40 years. And, and you know, and then there are... The, I, I'm I, Banshee's been sharing was my like okay this is the Colin Farrell I've always wanted he's perfect for this role it fits into it perfectly and like you said it's 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 the uh, it's the Jude Law like he's so handsome he should be a leading man it's like nope he's a character actor and this is where he needs to be yeah yeah so uh, away from the winners for a moment I want your uh, number one random thing that just really excited you on Oscar night and I will start and give you guys a taste. When Jimmy Kimmel was trying to get audience involvement and stuff, and he went toward Nicole Kidman, and her visible relief when he didn't point her out and went to Jessica Chastain or somebody, I was just like, first of all, Nicole Kidman looked like a goddess. Like, yeah, I mean, she's always a goddess, but oh my god, sensational on Sunday night. She has not looked. I mean, she always looks great, but she she was like every inch the movie star. 
And I just love that yeah. like human moment. Like she was, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want to be on camera. <laughs> it was a great, great little moment. You know, when some people just get the memo that it's the Oscars and, yeah. you know, you can be a hardworking actress for the rest of the year, but come to the Oscars, you're a movie star. So turn up like a fucking movie star and she never lets you down. Tell so Mahaya yeah. also got the yes. memo. You know, they, they yes. tell her, you're yes. a movie star. You're... I felt it so exhausting when people turn up in like, you know, talk or, or something really drab. Yeah. This is the one opportunity a year. Be a movie star. Um, my my favourite moment of the whole um, ceremony was when Cocaine Bear pestered Malala. Oh. Um, <laughs> simply for its complete inappropriateness. I mean, she handled it really well when um, Jimmy Kimmel came after. It was quite funny, that bit, actually. I, I thought it was I thought it was a, f- a decent bit, and I thought she handled it well. But just of anyone in the entire audience, for Cocaine Bear to pester... The young woman who is famous for protesting against terrorism and um, being, women being allowed to, to read and being um, um, shot for this. And then she won a Nobel Prize and she's like a serious campaigner. Anyone in the audience to be pestered by cocaine bear and it was Malala. It was just it was the inappropriateness of it that just made me made me howl. Um, again, you know, she, she's handled the whole thing really well. But like, come on, there was plenty of people there who did that joke but it was deserved. Malala was not the not the one to aim it at. <laughs> I have a bit more macro because okay. I was also thinking of a Nicole Kimmon moment because I loved her reaction to the AMC joke. But yeah. I loved the design of the stage and what they did with the backdrops and specifically having like for example, like the costumes behind uh, as they presented. I just really thought like it was so fantastically produced throughout and made each category feel like a moment. Well, I obviously am going to land on the stunning Little Mermaid trailer that uh, <laughs> which, uh, <laughs> I mean, whenever you think of the remakes of, of, of classic Disney movies and the terrible movies they make, uh, I mean, what better way to finish off my Oscar season by having whatever the hell that thing was in the middle of the Oscars? Um, and obviously, all joking aside, uh, it's uh, uh, mine's the unlikely pairing of uh, Paul Dano and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yes, my favorite, yes. my favorite presenters of the night. And as soon as as soon as they came out, I'm like, man, I know the I know the Julia Louis Dreyfus vibe. I don't know the Paul Dano vibe. Like, yeah. and, and 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 she got it, and she had the joke, and then Paul Dano waited the perfect amount of time for his line and just nailed the line reading. And I'm like, okay, I'm on board, no matter what can happen. And and the entire time, my wife is gleaming with joy as the Jimmy Beaven dresses over her shoulder, like yeah, she's yeah. Just like yeah, come on, Miss Harris goes to Paris. I'm like, it's not going to win, but 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 just. So that entire sequence and them doing costume design and well, it's like just all of it came together. I mean, a hundred percent and not just, I mean, the opening joke itself was gold, but then they managed (laughs) to extend the joke about stealing the costumes and like the whole, I mean, the whole thing was great. It was just great. Taking it, taking it from uh, Christmas vacation. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, The, 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 up the would me would uh, be the Hugh Grant scrotum face joke. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> really, really, really hit hard. Um, you know, and like you said, I think you, in your wrap up, you're just like they didn't mention four weddings and a funeral at all. Like they're just it's so weird. Just, like, just celebrate the movies. It's it's like not a difficult concept. It was the best picture nominee. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Chris, I, I did want to mention what you were saying about like the, the costume design and the presentations. Like my favorite of those, and I, I agree that was very well produced this year. My favorite of those was the editing, because yeah. I never thought about seeing those things side by side, but they both screamed like every photo you've ever seen of editing for both of those eras. eras. <laughs> and I thought it was such a great moment. And you know what it reminded me of? And this is only because I recently watched it again at like a museum um, for an exhibit that was here in New York, but Xanadu. When, <laughs> when the <laughs> 70s didn't, didn't see and, that <laughs> and the big band, like they are both playing at the same time and then the stages slide together. And it's this big collision. It was at the, the Museum of Design. They showed Xanadu to go with this exhibit, exhibit called Queer Maximalism. Um, <laughs> that described it. Yeah, and it was just brilliant. But it just reminded me of that, like these two eras, and you're like, these, these totally relate, and yet they're so wrong together. <laughs> <laughs> but what they did do really well, and I think this is one of the reasons I think that these so many worked, they cut a lot of the, the chaff, you know. We had very yeah. few montages. We had very few people coming on and doing an extended bit. There was a couple of bits, but the bits were pre- pretty short and pretty funny on the whole. Um, it didn't seem bogged down in just the extra unnecessary, like, crap they throw in most times. How long was the show? I don't actually know how long it was, but it, it felt... Pretty short it, in comparison. It was pretty normal length, like three and a half, I think. Yeah, three, twenty, three and a half. That's what I thought. Uh, but it, it didn't feel like that. It didn't feel like it didn't drag like they so often do. Um, I don't know what well what happened. What change was? I think they got some professionals, some experts in to do the show, didn't they? Some um, a safe pair of hands who knew what they were doing rather than what they've done in recent years, giving it to sort of weirder choices, which has backfired horribly. Well, are you talking about Steven Soderbergh? <laughs> and last year's debacle and like, that was that was even worse it felt quick and well paced but it or it felt well paced but it didn't feel like they were rushing through and i think that that was like the other key like it felt like we got to like savor speeches savor like you know each category uh like i, I didn't feel like we were just like trying to break next speed or like we apologize for keeping you so long like trust me we'll get past the shorts quickly <laughs> And I think that, that that tone was set in the opening monologue. I mentioned this in my review, but like the fact that for once they didn't disparage the nominees, I was just like, yeah. I, to me, that's been the biggest turnoff of the Oscars the past few years. It's just like, this is my favorite event every year. And like, why are you making me feel bad about my love for it? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like, so you once, can't expect the viewers. You can't insist viewers to love something. You're telling them from yeah. the start that it's no good. You know, you, you literally in the last couple of years, we've been told from the beginning of the show that it's not really worth tuning in. Um, it's just a very, very odd take to do on your own TV show to um, sort of disparage the, the very I um, expecting that. Like that, that was that was my fear of I, I'm not the biggest Kimmel guy. In, Me neither. I, but but I mean, he did. <laughs> he did OK. Um, I'm not I'm not going, like he was fine. Um Host wise, he is a facilitator. This is exactly they they hired the man that they wanted to get the show out of, and that's exactly what they, what happened. Like, he's by no means going to break any records and be like, oh, remember that great Jimmy Kimmel hosting? And, you know, it, but but I was expecting like, oh, too Leslie, a movie nobody saw, and and those kind of jokes. Yeah. Like you said, the, I like movies. I like movies. I, like I 
I'm watching this because I like these things. Like, why are you breaking them down? So um, I, I agree with you. It is funny how we complain all these years, all, all the time now about the host and how they don't do a good job. And then you look back and think, we had, what, 30 years of Bob Hope? So maybe we didn't complain so much. It could be much worse. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I wasn't alive in the Bob Hope years, but I... Me, me either, to be fair, but only just. <laughs> I mean, Billy... <laughs> no, but, but, like, I don't know. Was he disparaging about the movies? It seems like it was... It seems like a modern thing to be like, oh, this is so gross that we're doing this. And I, like, I'm sorry, but that... I believe in the ether that that damaged the Oscars. This constant, like, we're sorry you're watching us. Well, I think the the, the cool thing about, like, uh, previous hosts like Bob Hope and Billy Crystal especially, they couldn't get arrested by the Oscars, but right. they really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. They really wanted an Oscar. They really wanted the attention. They kept trying, and they kept getting nowhere. And so they uh, half half of the thing was like, well, you guys aren't going to pay attention to me. Here are, these, here are these Oscars. And he makes it fun and light. And Billy Crystal has always been kind of the gold standard of yeah. I don't care yeah. about him as a host, but, man, the shows are good. Like – He's doing something right to keep well, making this happen. And Whoopi Goldberg was the same way yeah, in her difference yeah. when she actually was an Oscar winner. But it was like the same when Hugh Jackman hosted. It's like, why don't you pick people who love the Oscars? And this is like what I've been saying for years. But like, like don't disparage the show if you're trying to get us to watch and pick people who also love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because there well, are people who love it. You want someone who can tell jokes and sing songs and who can do the whole the whole bit that there's not that many of them around though is there there really isn't that many people these days who can who can do that in the same way um i, I don't mind the safe my hands like jimmy kimmel it's not my choice but it, it it's not no he wasn't bad but i'm no, just saying fine. like in gen- at least he didn't disparage the movies for once and like the one joke yeah. at the movie's expense about their length i appreciated because he made it in context it worked with the yeah, show yeah yeah <laughs> Because like everything I mean, was super were long. Really long. Yeah. <laughs> like Avatar is over three hours. Babylon <laughs> over three hours. Yeah. Was was the Quiet Girl my favorite of the international nominees because it was the greatest or because it was a swift ninety four minutes? Who can tell? Yeah. <laughs> little column it's A. Little I, column I genuinely B. judge judge films by that at the moment. I literally judge films <laughs> oh, by like when I'm looking at festival choices, I judge them by that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, what can I fit in? And I'm much more likely to choose the hundred minute movie. This is why everybody because loves Shiva. Because I have I have a schedule that I have to maintain. This is why everybody loves Shiva, baby, because it was seventy seven minutes and yes. they're just like that was incredible, move on with my day. <laughs> and really funny too. It's yes, just like yeah. you can be you can be really satisfying in a short amount of time. Yeah. What do we think it's about? What what's going on that we've gone back to like nineteen fifties length? Of, of films because I think I am, we really are looking am, back to the 1950s to find films this long, um, as many films this long being nominated. What? Why are? I was. Why are people? I don't know, but them? even movies I love this year, like The Fablemans. I know. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> ben and I are like polar opposites on The Fablemans, but but uh, yeah, but yeah, like I love The Fablemans, but it is too long. And, you know, I almost every movie, even the ones I love in my top ten list, almost all of them, well, After Sun's not too long, but, like, so many movies are pushing it. Or, like, even if you're loving them, like, I love everything everywhere all at once, but that was 20 minutes too long. 20 full minutes too long. I would argue that um, 
a good hour too long. It's mm-hmm. two hours 40. It's a, a hundred minutes. It's a kind of pacey, funny um, um, critique, you know, of, of all, all kinds of things. But as, at 2.40, it just goes on. I was looking at my watch from like an hour and a half in. Are you talking about Triangle of Sadness? Triangle of Sadness, yeah. yeah. And that particular scene, you know, the one that everyone talks about, would have been funny at five minutes, but it goes on for like probably 20 minutes, you know, and really overstays its welcome. Um, it was my major criticism of almost everything this year. I walked out of walked out of Elvis. I walked out of um, Avatar. I was just like, life's too short. You well, know? Think about Elvis in general, like how much of a movie Elvis is, and it's two hours and 40 minutes. That is a lot of movie for a long time. And, <laughs> and you know, it's Especially kind of like... when it's cut like a trailer. It's basically a 2 oh, yeah. yes. minute trailer. And, so. and, but but not a uh, scene of people talking. <laughs> yeah, I would argue like women talking is so like it tries to be so powerful, it's exhausting, and it's only 104 minutes, and I can't imagine that going that much further than that. Like just for the sake. No, of... see that I I'm not a huge fan of that movie, mm. but but I really think that part of it really worked. I think Sarah probably really understood. Yes, it needs to be like blunt and impactful and over. Mm. Yes, like, over yes. within a reasonable <laughs> amount of time. Because it's like a tough subject, tough stuff she's throwing at you. Like, I thought that part of it was very well judged. Yes. yes. I think overall what's happening, and listen, this is not going to be the first time that studio heads and the movie industry in general has misread what people actually want. But we are, are, it's trying to get people into the theaters and it's competing with so much content on streaming. And so they're trying to think through what's my value proposition? Why am I going to make someone like spend a night at the theaters? Well, if I make it feel epic, if I make it feel like the biggest deal, the longest, uh, just everything bigger and grander, that's going to get people there. Doesn't work for everything and nor should each movie be that way. But I think that that is the line of thinking that these studios and creators are using. That's a, that's a, I, I believe I believe you. It's 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 funny because even the even a lot of the shorts I'm like oh 40 minutes like yeah. oh yeah no <laughs> like, no I mean like, I'm yeah. sorry the boy the mole the fox and the it's horse, a terrible winner it's a few of those people <laughs> it's the worst in the category and it goes on for so long you can play you can won. play you, you can play a game is it is it from the script or from a Hallmark card or yes, from a exactly. like it's just. It's like, well, you know, sometimes sadness is the is the love we leave behind. And you're like, what the hell are you saying? Like, it's just, it, yeah. And and not to me, and me and Nathaniel are way on board with this. Ice Merchants is the best yeah. short we've seen in years. And and I'm just so dis- disappointed that everybody kind of like I liked three out of the five. Flying Sailor yeah. was too reductive for me, but everything else I'm just like way on board with. And, oh, I and loved yeah. all of them except for the winner. Oh, yeah, it's, and and it was such a yeah such a bummer. It was like all these opportunities, and uh, I'm I'm I was pleasantly surprised at Elephant Whispers, and I know you don't like you hate Irish Goodbye. Why do you hate Irish Goodbye? I can't. What sort of cold-hearted monster are you? Oh, sorry, I just <laughs> I'm, it's so trite. It's so trite, and like it's to me, it's like the worst of those. But the only category that saved me, like the shorts, I thought they had terrible taste in this year. Uh, although I liked most of the nominees, the, was documentary short because the Elephant Whispers is good, yes. but it's still it's still nowhere near the brilliance of Haul Out. Haul Out, just like what? 
Like that how moment people in watch Fallout. Fallout and not vote for it. It is oh, oh, so just brilliant. that that opening of that door is oh, such a shock of, to the senses. And it's, it's as good the, as the greatest, any moment and one of the best picture nominees. Absolutely. Oh, it's the greatest yeah. moment in film last year. It's the greatest moment in film in twenty twenty two. It's like absolutely. Did you say nineteen twenty two? Yes, it's nineteen twenty two. Way ahead of itself. <laughs> Hey, it would have worked in silent cinema too. It's so powerful that moment. Oh my gosh, you guys, this is so much fun to talk about with you guys. And it just feels like not only am I happy that the season's over, but I'm happy to wrap it up with you guys because you've all been wonderful. So like let I I don't know, we should say something something you wanted to say that you didn't get out as we say our goodbyes. Baby Clyde, what did we not talk about that you wanted to say? We've covered a lot. Um, I would just like to say how satisfying um, Michelle Yeoh's win was. Yes. Um, with all four acting winners, I'm perfectly happy with. Not necessarily my choices, but I'm, I'm perfectly happy with. But her not winning after everything else. I mean, we kind of knew by the end. Coming up to the last few days, it felt like the, the tide was turning in her direction. And after all those other everything everywhere wins... It felt like a done deal, but it would have left a really sour taste on the whole night's um, mouth if um, she hadn't. I don't think anybody won. was more relieved than Kate Blanchett in that moment. No, I agree yeah. completely because she didn't actually look happy, and she's been supporting Michelle Yeoh all all the evening. Yeah. But I felt almost like a big sigh, of, almost like a sigh of relief from her because um, it just wouldn't have been a good look, would it? And especially having Halle Berry there to um, to present the award. Um, I smiled at the whole thing, and I am an old misery. Let's face it. I am an old, cynical misery who will moan about <laughs> everything. And I, I finished the, I finished the ceremony. It was like, oh, I've got nothing to complain about. Um, on a slightly sour note, the um, in memoriam section every year, every single year, they left out so I mean, many Oscar nominees. That's what I don't get. It's like. Like, I get that you can't have everyone, but Oscar nominees? And, like, Melinda Dillon wasn't in it? What? She's like so bad nominee. It's so weird. Like, it, they could just ask us. Yeah. Literally. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even, like, being funny about it. Give us a call, like, a week before, and we will just make sure you haven't forgotten anybody, you know? It's, like, <laughs> it's so bizarre. Paul Sorvino, you can't not put Paul Sorvino in. And there was... And there's other people in there, and it's not, we're not ranking on stardom, but there's other people who were mentioned who were less famous, less um, lauded, you know, not than the ones that left there. I just don't understand how they make those decisions. It's just, just baffling. Um, and also, because it would only take an extra, maybe like 20 seconds, to, to it's only a quick flash across the screen, is it, with a name across the bottom. It's not anything that's taken a lot of time. Um, I don't know if they were just trying to drive people towards the website. Was that the reason? Because it was all very, like, tacky with the um with the code to to use but yeah i, I just just baffling but i'm just gonna no, we'll, we'll stick with the positive michelle Yeo was just glorious as someone who watched the heroic trio on vhs <laughs> as a teenager i was just like i want to say i was so happy about michelle Yeo. like i've been into her for so long that was so satisfying anyway uh, so I, I, you know, I, I look at the, whenever I was done, I was like, wow, every, you know, everything ever all once did well, 
the thing that blew me away, I cannot believe Elvis went home empty-handed. I cannot yes. believe yeah, that's like crazy. there was like everybody was people were predicting five Oscars and it came zip across the board. I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I lost my pool based on that. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Like, I, like nobody thought it was going home empty handed. Like everybody's like, okay, costumes for sure. Co- at mm-hmm. least costumes. And then yeah. somehow, uh, somehow a, a stat you said that blew me away that all quiet on the Western front is now tied for the most awarded international film ever yeah like it's like that's that's a wild step like it didn't didn't feel it doesn't feel international as many, yeah or, as many oscars as parasite or crouching tiger wild and 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 boy do, will i always remember those costumes like uh or, or not no, not sorry that's uh but that will i ever remember everything about that movie even though a movie i liked I'll never remember that bleak ass movie. Like it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, but, but that being said, I, that I do across the board really like everything kind of where it went. Um, uh, this it's exhausting. It, it's a, it was a nice, pleasant end to, like you said, an exhausting season. And credits. So based on what happened after this Oscars, I have a pitch for what should be a live action short at some point. Okay. Uh, have you guys read this blind item about uh, an A-list actress who was a past winner and nominee this year that had to get a ride with another actress to an after party because her driver was uh, betting with other people at the Hollywood Bowl on who would win at the Oscars? lost his pool, got into a fight, and ended up in the hospital. Which, and, and, which act, and, and which actress showed up in the same dress uh, to the after party that they wore to the Oscars? Kate Blanchett. So I want a live action short about Kate Blanchett's driver standing her up because he got in a fight about Oscar prediction. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But this, it's, 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 sure. it's like it's like inside baseball. It's like you can't be betting on the Oscars while you're driving an Oscar nominee. Like, uh, that's great. Oh, my God. So funny. I love the detective oh. work that's gone into that. Yes. Yeah. So, someone sent me the blind item this morning. And I was just like, oh, my mind is spinning. Yeah. I don't you're care like, if it's not true. It was true in my like, mind. You're like the Internet memes of that guy with the strings. You're like connecting all the all the dots. Oh, uh, one thing I forgot to ask you guys. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. But as we go, one of the 20 acting nominees, tell me who you think is going to be back first. Thank you again to Chris James. Who's going to be back first from the 20? I'm I'm going to say Hong Chow. Ooh, interesting choice. Okay. And Ben Miller. Oh, put me on the spot. Uh, Barry Keoghan. Interesting. And uh, Baby Clyde. I'm rapidly going to my brain to think who's got what coming out, and I can't think of anything. Um, I'm convinced that Colin Farrell will be back very soon, but I'm totally on the Barry Keoghan um, um, uh, train. He's he's winning sooner rather than later. Ooh, interesting. I'm going to guess uh, Brian Tyree Henry. Mm. Oh, Ooh, great. Because I was we- so happy about that nomination. Oh, my God. Mm. So deserving. Yes. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening.